today on Real Radio. Think about how ridiculous it would be to have you go out and light the world on fire for the love of God, and yet you yourself do not know that the love of God applies to you. Somebody say amen. amen. This is an absolute truth revealed in God's word. God wants you from the moment you give your heart to Christ to be full of confidence that God keeps his word. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack continues a study now called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter with a message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2. You know, the Apostle Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, and he later became the leader of the early church. His story, it's indeed ancient, but really no different than what's happening today. We are still in need of a Savior, and Christ followers still need Peter's heartfelt words of compassion and his encouragement. Jesus saved us from the power of sin by paying the ultimate price. His brutal death on the cross gave us the chance to experience new life in heaven with him. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is all about salvation. By choosing to follow Christ, we can be assured our salvation is secure. So today, on day one of this message, Pastor Jack tells us that God knows our struggle with faith. He knows how it works. But you and I have to be careful not to let our questions or doubts turn into unbelief. The Bible was written for us to learn, and in our searching through the Scriptures, we find that comfort and hope that God promises. And now in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. Thank you, Lord, for your word today, and as we look into Peter again, as we jump into midstream on this study that we're looking at, very important study, the greatest teaching on Bible prophecy ever. As we look to the second week of this installment, we pray, Lord, now that uh, you would be instructing us. It's your desire as the Holy Spirit to instruct us from the Word. We ask you, Father, now that we would be good students, and Lord, that we would leave this place today better off, better off as believers. Perhaps somebody today might even make the decision to be a follower of Jesus. But Father, we thank you, God, that you're here because your Word is open. And you've made us that promise that you will be in a church where your word is exalted and the name of Jesus is lifted up. So we already have confidence in what you've said to us. We ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Church, stand if you would. You know the drill. Stand and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We are in the second portion of this installment, which means we're in the same verses as last time. And we're going to be in the same verses next Sunday. <laughs> We'll finish it off, but three powerful verses, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and 12. And today we'll be looking at verse 11, but we'll read it in its context, starting in verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Verse 12, and we'll end here. To them, he's speaking of the prophets, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, 
they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. Father, we pray now that you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated, church. And again, I want to uh, reiterate what I said last week about the, uh, the title of uh, this little mini-series regarding these three powerful verses. And that is the fact that I'm considering these verses regarding the doctrine of salvation, the greatest teaching on Bible prophecy ever. And I'm not apologizing for it. I mean it sincerely that the greatest teaching in the Bible is the same. The greatest teaching of the Bible is the same. The greatest prophetic teaching of the scriptures is the same. It is that doctrine of salvation. For you Bible students, it's soteriology. It's a big word. Listen, soteriology, that is the words of the Bible on salvation, are inseparable from another big word, eschatology. Eschatology is the word that means, what does the Bible say about the future events? Ultimately, the greatest future event for your life and for all eternity is your salvation. It's the most important thing of all, that God gave us his word and sent us his truth that we might know that we can be a saved, rescued, redeemed people. And all of that is foundational to our pursuit of the word of God, our pursuit of the Bible. Let's be honest, think about it logically, sensibly. There is no way on God's green earth that he would call his people, you, to talk about prophetic events, to talk about biblical doctrine, to carry your Bible, to read it, to witness to other people, to share with them the love of God, and have no confidence that your salvation is secured in Jesus. Think about how ridiculous it would be to have you go out and light the world on fire for the love of God, and yet you yourself do not know that the love of God applies to you. Somebody say amen. This is an absolute truth revealed in God's word. God wants you from the moment you give your heart to Christ to be full of confidence that God keeps his word. So watch this. It's a prophetic utterance of God in Christ that for all those who come to Jesus, come to Christ, he will never turn away. The Bible says if you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. All of that doctrine is based upon the prophetic promises that God keeps his word. And you need to revel in that. You need to be excited about that. That's your foundation. That's why we as Christians can look around the world and see all that's taking place, not with gloom, not with doom, but with excitement and with security because our Bible announces preeminently we are a saved people. And secondly, God's word is going to come to pass. God keeps his word. Remember last time we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 and 9, those two verses, because it's why these three verses that we're studying open up. In verse 5 it said, remember, regarding us who are kept by the power of God. Note that it's God's power who keeps you. And how does he do that? Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then down to verse 9. And verse 9 is the genesis, the catalyst, to verses 10, 11, and 12. Receiving the end of your faith. In other words, when faith comes to a conclusion, it terminates. Listen, you'll need no faith in heaven. Thank God. 
You won't need faith in heaven. It'll be gone. You won't need it. The Bible tells us in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That verse means that the day you see Jesus, you'll no longer need faith. You're not going to be walking around in heaven saying, I doubt if I'm even here. I honestly spoke to someone recently in a dialogue and sharing the gospel. The individual said that it is possible that the dialogue that we're having together right here, right now, pastor, may not even be happening. This may not be a reality. And I asked that person, where'd you get that? And they got that from a college class. If I was mom and dad, I'd want my money back. <laughs> no, listen, God is reality. And the reality is God's going to save you. And it's the greatest doctrine of all. Last time we saw in our first argument is in verse 10, the greatest teaching on Bible prophecy ever was the fact that it's regarding what God has said about salvation. Verse 10 says, of this salvation, remember what that was all about. It's, it, it excludes all other acts and attempts of salvation from all other ideas or cults or groups or religious founders. There's no other. Of this salvation, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets have inquired and searched. It means they gave their lives to carefully searching and inquiring of the scriptures who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. The prophets spoke about the future regarding your salvation. Three things we saw, that God's salvation was a forethought of God. God thought it up, not you, not me, not anybody. I love that. God's idea is to save mankind. I love it. You getting to heaven is all about God having that forethought that he wanted you in heaven. The second thing we saw in verse 10 is that it's knowable. God's salvation is a knowable reality. You can know that you're saved. The Bible says, as we mentioned, 1 John announces these things have been written that you might know that you have eternal life. And then we saw thirdly at the end of verse 10 that his salvation is an experience. You can experience the reality of God's salvation. Somebody might say, well, how do you do that? Well, how do you breathe air, for one thing? I know your lungs are moving. We understand biologically how that's happening. But the fact of the matter is, to the naked human eye, you're breathing in elements that are floating about you, into you, that sustain your life. And you do that, you don't even think about it, but you do that every moment by faith. You don't even realize it, but you breathe in, and those wonderful molecules go in through your throat and into your lungs and there's that exchange in the tissue between the what is air into the red blood cell itself and that blood cell gets all fat and happy and so red and it runs around your body in seconds depositing the various elements of the air that you need to breathe and live and function and then it goes back up and after it's all dumped out and, and gets some more and it does it all over again, you never think about it. And you, you got up this morning, you were breathing, and you never even thought one moment, well, I, got, I need to keep breathing. I got to work on this. Listen, it happens. It's happening. And you exist, in a sense, by faith, if you think about that. Well, the Spirit of God is at work within you, and you're experiencing God's salvation. You may not be able to see it happening in a tangible sense, but it's happening every day in your life as a believer. So we pick it up, church, in our study. Look at verse 11. It's as far as we're going to get today. Why? Because, because that seems to be the way things go here. That's why. No, because it's deep theology. It's very, very deep theology. It's not only what God says about salvation. It's how God has provided salvation. Verse 11. It's how God would provide salvation. 
Verse 11 says that these prophets are searching what or what manner of time. Those are two questions. They're asking what. The word is interesting because it implies not so much what as a thing, but by whom the individual is that would bring about the what of salvation. Who's going to do this? How's it going to happen? What, what can we know about this salvation? And then the second thing is of what manner of time? What will be the revelation, the unfolding of it all? The spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Church, the first thing that we look at at this, if you begin to dissect verse 11, is the fact that God has ordained the time of salvation. And I find this wonderful. As soon as I read that, I realized I should have had a graph for you on the screen. That God's ordained the time, or can I say timing, of salvation. When it says there in verse 11, searching, you should circle the word searching, what or what manner, you ought to circle the word manner of time. Two key things, searching. Really, as I said a moment ago, the who. Who will be the Messiah? What will he look like? What will he be like? What will be the announcement of this Messiah? The prophets had spoken, and this is what I love about our God. I, per, I firmly believe that God delights in skeptics. If you're, a, if you're a skeptic today, don't beat yourself up. If you're here today, even as a Christian, and you're thinking, you know, sometimes I struggle. I really need to find, good. God's not afraid of your struggle. What you need to do is get it answered. Maybe today you're, you're, you're somewhat entertaining the thought of the existence of God. Great. You're not, listen, you're not a threat to God. Know this, that the prophets of old were possessed by the Holy Spirit and they had these questions. They wanted to know about the timing of it all. How's this going to work? Have you ever had questions for God yourself? Do we not? God, how's this going to work? I don't see hope in this. I, I can't answer this, God. And now listen, if we don't bring those thoughts under the captivity of Christ, we could wind up uh, yielding those questions over to doubt. And when we let doubt run, run amok, we wind up losing heart. We wind up becoming very discouraged. Don't do that. But you can get encouragement understanding this, that God himself has ordained the timing of salvation. And then the word searching, that word means this regarding the times. What will the time be? Watch. When it happens, that is the Messiah comes Listen, and what will the times be like? What will, will the world be, the prophets were asking, when this one who is to save arrives? And then that would be quite a challenge to the prophets. When you read the Old Testament, you see that Israel was many times carted off into captivity because of unbelief. They began to reject God, then they began to embrace false gods God would send them prophets. They would throw off the warnings of the prophets and then they would be taken captive by an invading army. Israel would be taken off to the various nations of the world and that's their repeated history since its creation, the nation of Israel. And then what would happen is that God would send some form of a deliverer and many times they would be brought back to their land but only the cycle to happen again. 
But the times in which Jesus was born was an amazing time because the Roman Empire, according to the book of Daniel, there was the Babylonian Empire, there was the Medo-Persian Empire, there was the Grecian Empire, the four, according to the Bible, the four great empires that would deal not necessarily with the world, God didn't focus on that because there was the Ming Dynasty, there were various empires in the Orient but God didn't, God didn't mention that part. He mentioned the four nations or empires that would deal specifically with his people, the Jews. Isn't that interesting in the Bible? And then there would arise a fifth nation uh, that would be uh, extremely powerful. Now, when I say fifth, you got to follow my fingers. There's the, there's the Babylonian Empire, and the Medo-Persians actually considered one. The Bible counts those as one. Okay, then there's the Grecian Empire that you know about. You studied in school that, with Alexander the Great. And then the fourth empire was technically the Roman Empire. Uh, the fifth empire to come is actually, I don't want to get off into the weeds here, but the fifth coming, the Bible says there's another empire coming to rule the world again. Did you know that? The fifth, and the Bible says this fifth world coming empire comes out of the fourth the fourth is reconstituted. And uh, what's co really cool about that is, does anybody know who conquered the Babylonians? I just gave it to you a moment ago. Medo-Persians. Do you know who conquered the Medo-Persian Empire? Alexander the Great, the Grecian Empire. Uh, so who conquered the Grecian Empire? Rome. Who conquered Rome? Nobody. According to God's time frame, the Roman Empire still exists, according to God. Isn't that interesting? And it was never defeated. The Bible tells us that Christ is going to come back and he's going to reestablish his kingdom. That's quite a ways off from now. It's at least seven plus years away. But the final kingdom is going to be the kingdom of Christ. And the prophets spoke about the kingdom of Christ to come. They spoke about world empires to come. And they were asking the question, how is this going to take place? How will the Messiah come? And how will they... The world is experience him. And so think about it. Jesus is born into Bethlehem, born into Israel under Roman rule, into the Roman Empire. And the prophets didn't know what you know today. They didn't understand that. And the Bible tells us that they searched and they looked and they watched trying to figure out how this came about. All about the timing of God's salvation. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says regarding this truth, for whatever things were written before, that's the prophets, were written for our learning. Church, listen, I, I'm going to be very dogmatic and it's going to sound brutal about what I'm going to say. When Romans 15 verse 4 says, for whatever things were written beforehand were written for our learning, do you all understand Paul the Apostle is talking about the things that are written beforehand that is Genesis to Malachi. Did you know that? It's called the Old Testament. Any church, any Christian group that says you don't need to study the Old Testament is dangerous. Get out of it run. If you have a church or if you go to a church that does not teach or quote from or uh, do series upon or verse by verse of the Old Testament, you need to find a new church. You say, how dare you say that? Listen, I say it because the Bible says that. We are to teach the full counsel of God. Paul said that to the church at Corinth and he was talking about the Old Testament. Every Bible student should read the Old Testament or else you'll never know if the New Testament's true. 
You'll have no way of knowing that your New Testament is true unless you study the Old. Because everything that's in the Old announces what's going to happen. And the New Testament says, hey, look, it happened just like he said. But in the day of the prophets, they didn't know this. They spoke under the power, we'll see this in a moment, of the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 is a powerful statement regarding God's timing. But when the fullness of time had come, notice what happened. God sent forth his son. The word fullness of time is at just the right moment, Christ had to come. Mary had to be pregnant of the Holy Spirit and she had to be in Bethlehem. None of Joseph's blood could be in her and he had to be born of a virgin, that is Jesus, in that town of her ancestry. How was that? How do we know that the Christmas story is accurate? Old Testament. It had to happen that way. It had to be Mary, pregnant without any of Joseph's blood in her because the Bible says that there was a curse upon the bloodline of Joseph. His blood couldn't be in Jesus. And guess what the Bible says? That she was conceived of the Holy Spirit, miraculous conception that the Christ might be born. We know that from the Old Testament. At just the right time, Jesus was born, according to the Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Ephesians 1:10 tells us that in the dispensation of the fullness of time. Somebody asked me last week, right after service, Pastor, do you believe in dispensations? Well, look at the word in the Bible there. That in the dispensation, what is that? It means that God manages time according to his own sovereign will. And I'll give you an idea about a dispensation. Um, There are dispensations, for example, when you're a freshman in school. What's your dispensation? You're a freshman in school. There's certain things that you will do and certain things you will not do because there's a time frame that applies to you. Are you with me? The same is true about God dealing with mankind. There's an Old Testament dispensation and there's a New Testament dispensation. That doesn't mean that one is wrong or that uh, one is right because they're both from God. They're both right. God deals in his own time frame. So look at that verse in Ephesians, that in the dispensation, that is in the dealing of times and segments, in the fullness of times, he might gather together in all things Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. God is managing the time of salvation. God's at work. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Radio, in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2. Thanks for being with us today. We pray that your life is based on the solid truth of God's Word and His promise of a Savior, God's only Son, Jesus Christ. The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 2, is part of Pastor Jack's series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter, a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others really inspires us still today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. Now, can you imagine if the Apostle Peter had a Facebook page? Well, we're all called to be disciples of Christ, but today we have the advantage to share our faith through social media. That's why Pastor Jack is on Facebook and often shares live events called Happening Now. 
You don't have a Facebook page to join in? No big deal. You can join thousands who follow Pastor Jack on his Facebook page, simply called Jack Hibbs. The Happening Now episodes mainly cover Bible prophecy as they relate to current events. You're going to like it a lot. You can access Pastor Jack through Facebook or at our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Our phone number, if you'd like to write this down, 877-RR-RADIO. That's 877-777-2346. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 1273, Chino Hills, California, 91709. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.